Welcome to worship. It's good to be gathered in the name of the Lord. And uh, greeting to those listening at uh, 9.30 and 11 this morning at Bethel. You know, once a month, uh, the preacher comes up here at 8 and then jumps in his car and drives out to Battle Lake. And it's a good thing. It helps with that one church in more than one location uh, ministry that we have going on here. And uh, so it's good. I look forward to being able to bring the word there as well this morning. They realize you're not just a guy on a screen somewhere. He's like, you know, it's just a photoshopped background. Maybe he's in his slippers in Florida or something like that. Um, so anyway, hey, we're, we're in this series. Uh, this changes everything. It's from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we are studying what scholar and Bible translator J.B. Phillips has said, has argued, is the most important chapter in the Bible. Do you think that's worth studying? You know, the most important chapter in the Bible. I, you know, when, when somebody as bright as him says that's what it is, that is worth us looking at uh, time and time again. We're looking at it this morning. In fact, I'm going to ask you to reach for your Bible, uh, one of these in the pew rack in front of you, perhaps, and uh, have a chance to look at this text. This is uh, God's word for us. It tells us of the resurrection, and Paul gets... Uh, He gets into some of the details here and why it really does matter and how it really does change everything for us. So if you've got your Bible, I'd love for you to stand, all of you, this morning. Would you do that? We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 15, verses 12 through 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 20. The first part of this chapter, he's made the case for the resurrection and now... He takes on some of its detractors, actually. Starting in verse 12. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? How can you say that, right? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. And then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Lord Jesus, this is your word. It's true. And what it says is exactly what we need to hear today. So come, Holy Spirit. Through your word, glorify Christ and help us to believe in him. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Two weeks ago, a couple weeks back, on Easter Sunday morning, stood up right here and I said, He is risen. And you all said, He is risen indeed. And the big idea of this series that we're in is that this and this alone is the message that changes everything. 
The church has not been gathering for the last 2,000 years to say, the stock market has risen. It has risen indeed. They haven't been doing that. In fact, the Dow dropped almost 300 on Friday, right? So it's not always going up. They have not gathered to say, the dollar has risen. It has risen indeed. They have not gathered to say that the employment rate has risen. It has risen indeed. No, we declare that Christ is risen, and because he has, it changes everything. It means purpose in life, here in this world, and hope beyond the grave. Hope for the future. There are lots of things that we could say uh, and say, you know, be excited about them. The church is kind of could have declared all kinds of things. In fact, I just thought we would try some of these out. I got a little list of things I'd like to try out. I'm going to say such and such has risen, and I want you to respond with as much enthusiasm as you can muster. It has risen indeed. Try it with me. It has risen indeed. Okay, so video world, right here world, let's, let's try it. Here we go. Uh, my self-confidence has risen. I don't know if I believe it. Uh, my salary has risen. My blood pressure has risen. Yeah, all right. You sound a little bit more believable, actually, on that one. The value of my 401k has risen. <laughs> it has dropped indeed. Yeah. Uh, students, my grade point average has risen. <laughs> Uh, my batting average has risen. God, you know. Okay, here we go. My waistline has risen. Oh, wow. Okay, here's one. My attention span when listening to Pastor Dave's sermons has risen. Woohoo! Right? You know? Oh, man. We could, we could say all these things, but the church hasn't gathered to talk about that. Uh, these things, when they rise, the impact is small, it's temporary, things change. The church doesn't declare any of that. The one thing that the church has declared on every continent in all these cultures over the last 2,000 years, and they've celebrated enthusiastically, is that Christ is risen. Amen. Amen. I have a question. Two of them, actually. Two of them that I think are implied in the text that I read for you today. Here are the two questions. What if it weren't true? And secondly, what if it is true? You know, it's a scandal either way. It's a scandal if it isn't true. Uh, and it's a really big scandal if it is true. Let's look at that. Let's look at this first question first. What if it weren't true? Um, here in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul is dealing with some skeptics in Corinth who were claiming that dead people simply don't rise from the dead. It just, it doesn't happen. Verse 12 says, But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? So some of the people in the church are among Christianity's first skeptics. Very interesting, you know. They're the first ones, and, and actually the first skeptics of the Christian faith were the disciples. The hard questions of the Christian faith were asked by the insiders, not the people on the outside. I love that. 
And here I love how the Bible gets real with us. Ask the question for us to read today. This church was struggling. Here's what was going on. Some in the first century church in Greece, in, in Corinth, the church to which this was written, is a city in Greece. And they were, they were happy to hear that Jesus was the Savior, that he forgives people of their sins. They were happy to hear that he's the Son of God, that because uh, of him we get, to, we get to live forever. They were excited about that. They loved that. They just couldn't buy the whole bodily resurrection from the dead thing. They really struggled with that. Um, and why was that? It was because of their cultural context, because of their upbringing, because of their background. You see, Greek philosophy taught, and they, they were raised in this, that when you die, you sort of shed your body at death. You leave the body and your soul lives on, but that your body is, is gone, and in fact, good riddance with it. You don't need it. In fact, you don't want it. And so as Paul preached about a physical resurrection, they're thinking, can't be. It can't be. Bodies are, bodies are a pain. <laughs> bodies are baggage. Uh, bodies weigh us down. They quit working after a while, and once they go in the ground, that's where they stay, and... Good riddance. We don't need you. You know, in fact, we don't want you back. They're just a pain to us. Uh, I was thinking about this and this idea. It's kind of a Gnostic idea uh, that they lived with. And I was thinking about this. I'm going, I think it must be true that the people who came up with this idea that the body is a pain and, man, just get rid of it. It does you no good. And once it's gone, fine, good riddance. I'm, I'm thinking people who came up with that were over 40 what do you think, right? I don't know how it is for you, but when I hit 40, it just seemed like things started to go just a little bit downhill from there, you know? And, it, and from what I hear, it doesn't get any better, all right? So I know I'm not getting any sympathy if you're older, but man, oh man, the body's a pain. Let's get rid of it. I, and I was thinking, you know, on some level, on some part of us relates to that. Some part of you relates to this idea of a body, you know, just get rid of it. And it might be, you know, this part or this part or this part, but some part of you relates to that. Uh, Friday, I think I sprained my wrist putting my socks on. And you know what would really be funny? You know what would really be great? If I were kidding. If I were kidding. I mean, my thumb right here. I just, putting my socks on. Good grief. The body is baggage. It weighs us down. It doesn't cooperate with us very well. And so they're saying it can't be. So when you die, you shed your body and you don't need it anymore. There's this idea that, that, that physical matter, that bodies included, are evil. And to get rid of it is a good thing. And so Paul is speaking of this message. And here's what he, the way he boils it down for them. He says in verse 13, if there is no resurrection of the dead, in other words, if physical resurrection is impossible then not even Christ has been raised. Not even Christ has been raised. And this would be a scandal. This would be a scandal. Because for 2,000 years, millions of people have lived their lives, lives as if it's true. They live their lives believing that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died on a cross, 
a Roman cross outside of Jerusalem, and that he rose again from the dead. And not only have they believed that, but millions of people have, have been martyred for that. Many people have based their entire lives on this fact, this reality that Jesus rose from the dead. Thinking of this, you know, the, the resurrection, and this is the case made in 1 Corinthians 15, is not exactly a minor point in the Christian faith. It's not one of these sort of peripheral theological you know, assertions. It is central to the Christian faith. I mean, Christians are betting the farm on this being the case. It is not some obscure Christian detail. Some think, and here, here's how some of this goes. I don't know if many you know, truly born-again Christian people would say this, but there are some who have this idea out there that the, 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 the core, the heart of the Christian faith is this idea that Jesus loves us and that Jesus is God and he, he has loved us. And look at the model, the example of Jesus. What a loving thing he's done for us and all the good things he taught us about how to relate to our neighbor. And they have this idea that this is warm, fuzzy, kind of great way to live, you know, and all of this great teaching and that that's the heart of the gospel. Can I just say that is not the heart of the gospel. If you were to think of the Christian faith like a ship, this is the thought that came to me this morning. I'm thinking of what this is like. The, 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 the Christian faith is like a ship on the ocean. And there's all these things that you see up here, some of which I just talked about. The teachings of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the example of Jesus. But the, the hull of the ship is the resurrected Christ. Right? And if you, put a, if you blow a big hole on that one, Guess what happens to that wonderful ship? Straight to the bottom. I mean, that's just the way it is. If you get rid of the resurrection, the whole thing is gone. See, the Christian faith, it anchors its veracity, its believability, its impact on this fact that Jesus rose from the dead. And this this is not like something we're putting on. God himself, through the scriptures, tells us if Jesus didn't rise from the dead... Game over. Game over. This is not a faith worth following. Jesus is just a great guy, like a lot of great guys who have come around. But he's not the Son of God. He's not the Messiah. He can't save you from your sin. He can't give you hope that lasts eternal. Might as well quit. Might as well go home. This is the essence of what he's preaching here. If there is no resurrection from the dead... There is no Christian faith. And think how purposeless life would be for millions of people who have based their life on this fact. Think of all the efforts to relieve human suffering in the world, in time and history that have been motivated by a risen Savior. How many hospitals would there be? How many orphanages would there be? The team from Bethel left just this morning to go build a home for a family in Mexico and to share the love of God in Christ by doing that. Why go? Why send him? I mean, if Jesus is dead, if he's still in the tomb, what's the point? Think of all the evil that is restrained in the world because of the belief of a risen Savior. Think of what the crime rate would be if we could dismiss the moral teachings of Jesus. Because you know what? We don't need to listen to him if he's dead. Think about how unsafe it would be to leave your home. 
Leave the door unlocked. Let your kids run outside to play. I mean, just think of it. Think how hard it would be to run, to run a business without this, this, these values that are shaped by a, and de- determined by a risen Savior, Jesus Christ. The very heart of the Christian faith, the resurrection of the dead, forms the foundation for people's conduct, their view of reality, their sense of personal value, and their purpose for this life. I mean, the implications are huge. And what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 is if you blow a hole in the bottom of that ship, the resurrected resurrected Jesus Christ, then you take everything we have away. Putting the pieces together here that Paul has, uh, it, it paints a picture of life if the resurrection weren't true. And here's the picture he paints. Pastors might as well quit. Hang it up. Rich, done. Might as well go home, buddy. Find something else to do, right? Same with me. Preaching, verse 14, is useless. Uh, Christians, you're all free on Sunday morning. You get to sleep in. Huh? That sound good? Especially when you got an 8 o'clock service, right? You get to sleep in. You, you know, don't come to church. Preaching's useless. So is faith. Why come to church? Not only that, but everything that we've said about God is wrong, and we're liars for even opening our mouths about him, because we are, according to verse 15, False witnesses and belief is a waste because verse 17 says that faith is futile and there's no way you can be forgiven. No way. Verse 17 says you are still in your sins. That's a lot of weight to bear yourself, isn't it? And your believing loved ones, those who have died. How many funerals have we had in this church in the last number of weeks? My goodness. I found myself the other day shaking hands with people at the funeral home going like this and then going, could you just and I grab their wrist, you know, check this. So everybody get a checkup, would you? I don't know if that will help, but I mean, I, it's wonderful to celebrate these lives and send people on to glory. But I think we're kind of tired of that, too. You know, it's hard to lose people you love. And some of those people are here this morning. It's hard to lose people you love. But the scripture says here that you're believing loved ones. If, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead... Your believing loved ones who have died are already are just that. They're dead. And you're never going to see him again. And you're never going to see him again. It says in verse 18, those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. They're just gone. We quit telling each other they're in a better place and one day you get to see him. No. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, they're just gone. They're just dead. And not only that, but verse 19 tells us that your whole life, your whole life is basically pathetic. Verse 19 says that we are to be pitied more than all men. Like of all the circumstances in life, of all the people in the world, right? As pathetic as pathetic can be, you are the most pathetic to believe in Jesus if he didn't rise from the dead. And I, week after week... And dispensing baseless hope. So I'm the biggest loser in the room. Life is pathetic. Your life is, and so is mine. If the resurrection weren't true, what a scandal that would be. What a scandal. But then, here's the other question. What if it is true? What if it is true? What a scandal that would be as well, wouldn't it? What if it's true? What if it's all true? 
Uh, several years back, uh, Christian recording artist Nicole Nordeman wrote a, a song that I don't know that I've heard on the radio lately, but it's been out and it's pretty popular. And here's, here's the message of the song. We're not going to take it all apart, but the, the gist of it you get and I, and I can appreciate. Here's, here, are the, here are the lyrics. What if you're right? He says, she says to the skeptic. What if you're right? And he was just another nice guy. What if you're right? What if he takes his place in history with all the prophets and the kings who taught us love and came in peace, but then the story ends? What then? But what if you're wrong? What if there's more? What if there's hope you never dreamed of hoping for? What if you jump and just close your eyes? What if the arms that catch you, catch you by surprise? What if it's true? Right? What if it's true? In one sense, the answer to that is simple. It's, if, it's, if it's true that Christ rose from the dead, then preachers get to preach. Can I hear an applause for that? Yeah. No, no. See, really lame. Lame applause. But preachers get to preach. Why? Because we have something great to say. Because we have something worth hearing, right? Oh, man, preachers get to preach. And Christians are busy on Sunday mornings because they have something to come and together and celebrate. Do you know that every time we get together for worship, we're sort of celebrating again the resurrection? It's what it is. We're getting together and saying, woohoo, there's a life. It's been hard all week, you know? What were you going through? What was I going through? You know, man, but here we are. You know what? There's hope. There's more. There's more. And we can celebrate that. Christians gather because faith isn't useless. And we were right about God. And so when we tell people about Jesus, we're not lying to them. We're telling them the truth. And belief is in the waste. It's not a waste of a life. It is the way to live. It is the most fitting way to live. And as for forgiveness, it's all yours. You're forgiven. The tomb empty tomb is proof and believing loved ones who have already died they're not dead they've only fallen asleep and they've awakened in the arms of their savior that great and as pathetic as life can be sometimes one of the things that's not pathetic is you for believing in Jesus the tomb is empty so your life doesn't have to be that's if it's all true. And guess what? Guess what Paul says? It's true. He says in verse 20, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. It's true. And here's where that leads us to this question. Will you believe it? Will you believe it? That is the question. That's what it comes down to. What some people want, what some people want is an airtight argument for the truth of Christianity. But you know what God has given us instead? He's given us an airtight person. Jesus Christ. No hole in the bottom of the boat. Look, look at this one who says, come, look at who I am. Look at my cross. Look at the nail holes in my hands and in my feet and believe. What a scandalous truth. It's true. You know, it'd be great to gather 
and be able to say things like, my self-confidence has risen, or my salary has risen, or my grade point average has risen, or my attention span to listening to Pastor Dave's sermons has risen. It has risen indeed. But the impact of that is small and temporary. But to be able to say with the church down through the centuries on every continent and in every culture for 2,000 years to say, He is risen. This changes everything. Praise the Lord. Lord Jesus, because you're alive, the words I'm praying are not hitting the ceiling in this room and bouncing back empty, meaningless. What a pathetic sight. For a guy to stand in the front of a church and pray to a God that's dead. Thank you that you've risen from the dead. Thank you that because you have, there is life for us now with great purpose. And there is hope for an eternity with you forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your power over the grave. Your rising from the dead was that cannonball in history. The waves, the impact we're feeling this time and space removed. Thank you for that. Renew us in that today. And even as we gather around the table in the Lord's Supper today, to remember your death and your resurrection, thank you, Lord Jesus, for the privilege to celebrate you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.